Welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is your co-host, John Richards, a.k.a. Jay Rich. And I'm here with the co-host, my man's C-Lass. What's up, Chris Lasseter? Jay Rich, what up, yo? Yo, this is episode number 49 of the podcast. We're 49 episodes in, and we got some great topics that we want to jump right into. And we got to start with the NBA. That's where our love is. That's where we had childhood dreams growing up of hitting that last second shot in the NBA finals never materialized for either one of us, but we're both NBA heads, right? Yeah. At one point I actually thought about trying out for a G league team when they had one close to my city. I had not been out of playing college basketball that long. I knew I wasn't going to make it, but I could always say, Hey, I went to a tryout. So you were going to try it, it, huh? My dreams, my dreams went away with the throwback jerseys, buddy. (laughs) so look we're about a quarter of the way through this nba season and we want to just run through some of our top stories a quarter of the way through because we've had some surprises shocks Uh, we've had some things that were not so surprising so i'd be interested to hear from you man what what would you consider one of your top stories uh, a quarter of the way through the season in the nba well, this was supposed to be the year of the super teams, and we were super excited after the summer for all the movement that happened. And all of those teams who were pegged to be super teams that made huge moves really do appear to have approved, except for one, Jay Rich. Who is that one? You got to be talking about the OKC Thunder, three of the better players in the league. If you were to look at the standings today, they would be outside of the playoffs and that's just mind-boggling to me uh that you could have that much offensive talent um and just have a hawk at the point guard in westbrook and last year they made the playoffs and at this point this year they are actually on the outside looking in a fourth of the way through the season on what's supposed to be one of the super teams a team that we were asking could they compete with the upper echelon like the jazz lost hayward and they're in the playoffs as of today like they are seven seed. That's crazy. And they, they're playing well. They're not like a seventh seed you even want to play. Yeah, I know, because they got a rookie. <laughs> He's a monster. He is a he had forty one the other night. I know, man. Like I didn't think he would be that good. I mean, I, I I knew he was good at Louisville, but like He's really stepping it up, man. So um, I know we were t- texting about this earlier, but hey, uh, watch out, my man in Philly. You might have some competition, yeah. my man Donovan. So you're I saying guess if you're Utah, though, you have to get the draft right. Like you, you to. have to. If you were Utah, nobody's gonna go in free agency. Who went? Joe Johnson. Like they get the draft after right his so prime. Often, but they have to. They have to, man. They gotta have that front. It's like the Spurs, man. You gotta have a front office that knows what they're doing. And Utah is kind of one of those underrated front offices that people don't really talk about much, but. Drafting Hayward was great for them. If you want to be part of a professional organization, people will still go to San Antonio just to be part of a professional organization. But no Mm. one's going to Utah for any reason. (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple of cities where you're just like, nah. And Minnesota was one of those cities. But uh, as of now, there are five seed in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler came to town, and Andrew Wiggins is doing Andrew Wiggins stuff. So... Um, I, you know, you know what you called this though, Chris, you know, several episodes ago, you said, look, people are excited about 
the Thunder, but it's going to take them a while to gel. I think they may make the playoffs, but when you put th- that three-headed monster together, man, it's not going to be immediate returns on that investment. Just not. So I get to call you Negro Domus this episode because you called that <laughs> one. Listen, well, here's my here's my thing moving forward is there's no way all three of them come back, right? Like, And if you have Paul George, do you really need Melo? Yeah, that's true. It's like, are they? Is there a redundancy there? They're trying him at the four, but mm, not yeah, it's the West. same skill set over and over. Yeah, it really is. Okay, I see what your your story is now. You know, probably know what my story is going to be. I mean, you have to, right? Can I take a guess? Because I'm confused right now. I really am confused. Go ahead, take a guess. No, I'm I'm wrong. But I was going to guess that your Spurs are still third in the West without a star. <laughs> Well, that's part of it. I mean, that's a great part of the story, but I'm talking about the other side of it, bro. I'm nervous right now, like legit nervous right now, because I'm trying to figure out if if Pop is playing a game with the league and and really resting his star for this final run that's going to happen in the playoffs, or if he legit has some serious quad in- injury issues. I mean, here's the thing. Tony Parker had his quad come off his bone, and he's back now. And they said that Kawhi's wasn't that bad, but Kawhi Leonard has yet to see the floor this year. And it's good for LaMarcus Aldridge. He's playing like an all-star. And maybe this is all part of Pop's master plan. I don't know, but I'm nervous because I, I need my man back. I thought he was going to come back tonight as they played the Heat. And he, he warmed up before the game. No Kawhi. So my biggest story is, yes, we're number three in the West. But once these playoffs start, man, I'm going to need some of the glove out there. I got to have them. the claw. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gary Payton. My bad. You you are the one person who could look at this NBA landscape after all the super teams and your hot take be, look where my spurs are. <laughs> but look, they're not they're not like the 12th rated team in the West, though, man. They're They're like the third ranked team in the West. Yeah, at the end of the day, you still have to be a team. I don't care who you trade for. At the end of the day, it's still a team game, and you have to be a team. And having a, like, all-star selection or a bunch of people who have made all-star selections doesn't make you a team. Yeah, and, I mean, the Celtics, still the hottest team in the league, still still number one in the East. I'm not sure if they're going to fall off, but it's been an interesting quarter year. Uh, we know who the, We know the trash teams. We know the Bulls are trash. <laughs> they are the worst. They're worse than the Nets. It's so bad, the man. Worst. If you gotta have the Bulls be good, though, man. That's just like one of those teams where you feel like they need to have a good team. And it's just man, sad. They got to see. six with Jordan. Now they good. <laughs> it's sad to see them and the Lakers, though, man, being non-contenders. <laughs> it's just sad. It really is. But um, l- really looking forward to the rest of the NBA season. And hopefully the homie Kawhi comes back strong and we can finish finish this little runoff, man. What we do. Yeah. This is what we do as the Spurs. Yeah. And maybe, maybe this is a, a topic for another podcast, but maybe the coaching is underrated in the NBA because Quinn Snyder is doing a great job. Brad Stevens doing a great job. Pop always does a great job. But even when you put together super teams, the teams who are consistent and have great coaching still seem to be the teams that are making the playoffs. Coaching matters, man. 
coaching definitely matters. Um, so yeah, so we will uh definitely continue to to talk NBA. We'll probably talk about the Christmas games at some point soon here because those are always exciting and fun. Um, but we're we're just happy to have some NBA action because you know both of us aren't really watching any NFL football and we know what's going on in college. I ain't even gotta talk about that because that's gonna be another 15 minutes. Go dogs. Um <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we'll touch on some more NBA news, but we just felt like, wow, this Thunder team, we're not sure how we're going to figure them out. And your boy Jay Rich, man, is super nervous about Kawhi and his undisclosed injury that they keep talking around. But maybe that's just us posturing and positioning. We'll see. Okay, so we were talking earlier about some of the stories that we wanted to potentially address, and boom. It dropped today. So we got to talk about this, right? We uh, found out who Time Magazine's Person of the Year is for 2017. Now, there were several candidates and several interesting candidates for um, Time Person of the Year, including Cap and including the POTUS. But Time decided to pick the silence breakers. Now, most people probably don't know who those are. Or some people who don't know who they are. Um, but you do know hashtag me too. And we have talked about this on the podcast um, in previous episodes. So time has decided to make uh, those who have bravely stepped forward to tell their stories of harassment or any sexual assault, um, including... Folks like Taylor Swift, Ashley Judd, who are Hollywood stars who decided to come forward and to empower other women uh, to tell their stories. And I read the article today and this is just phenomenal. It's great to see the courage of these women coming forward and um, telling their stories and for time to honor them in such a politically charged year um, tells us about um how powerful the story is. So I'm grateful for them being the person of the year, but at the same time, I, I definitely am continuing to pray that uh, with all these women coming forward, that there's some real tangible changes that happen, um, not just in the workplace, but um, all over our culture and all over our world. Yeah, so just a couple of thoughts, but one is literally in some aspects, it feels like we live in a different world, right? Like that our world is different in 2017 than it was in 2016. And uh, I think time got it right. I, I think that they nailed it. It was outside of the box thinking, but I think they nailed it. I think for you and I, we're both people who love the church. So um, maybe one of the hardest hashtags was actually one of the Me Too, um, spinoff hashtags that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the podcast, but there was a, a hashtag called church Two, And it hmm. talked about, Hey, this just doesn't happen in the world. Like here are our examples of things that have happened inside of the church. And that one was really grieving. You and I had talked on a Facebook live thing, just about how the new Testament starts with the genealogy of Jesus. And it includes women in that genealogy. And it's, it's kind of like this, picture that the tide's turning, like uh, that they will no longer be the overlooked gender. And then 
um, just to read some of those hashtags, it was, it was grieving. So I'm with you, man. Um, there's so many times that we attach something else to the gospel. And anytime you attach an adjective to the gospel that's not true, um, then it's a false gospel, right? So um, we've, we've seen the church struggle with a patriotic gospel. Um, and there's also a misogynistic gospel that takes verses, isolates them in the New Testament, and kind of makes it this, it's a man's world culture inside of the church. And while God does affirm gender roles um, in certain situations, um, it's like the Bible is not meant to be some book that oppresses women. And so where we've made it that, we've missed the gospel too. So, hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree. So this yeah. was a great call by Time Magazine. Yeah, it was, man. And, you know, like you said, patriotic gospel and the patriarchal gospel are definitely both antithesis of the gospel itself. There's no adjectives necessary for the gospel. I mean, a lot of people can read those narratives and see um, a sense of patriarchy in the in the Old Testament and uh, in some instances in the New Testament. But at the same time, you see they were in a fallen um, culture, uh, a fallen state as humans, um, and that in the gospels, you see that there's just kind of this divine reversal uh, in the way Jesus himself not only treated women, but uh, held them in high regard. Uh, the first women at the tomb, uh, the, the women at the tomb are the first people to become gospel witnesses of his resurrection. Uh, if that's not empowering, I don't know what is. So uh, just to see that uh, in, in the New Testament and see the arc of redemption, even in gender roles and even in the patriarchy that you do see in the, in the Old Testament uh, before Christ is something that is encouraging for me and makes me hopeful that the church itself um, can get past some of that stuff. It is kind of like, you know, having that residue of sin um, in us and and allows us to treat women a certain way. But but the gospel frees us from all of that. All right, bro. So we're on a journey here around the end of the year that I have invited you to join me on. And it's part of some of the spiritual disciplines I try to practice in my life. And I was like, hey, man, let me let me invite C-Last on in on this journey. And we wanted to share it with our listeners because we think that um, it would be something that would be good for their souls uh, if they have never tried it before. Um, because it allows them to to grow deeper in God's word. And I'm talking about none other than scripture memorization, being able to memorize um, large sections of scripture in order to feed your soul. Well, we're working on memorizing Philemon, uh, which is a short letter, 25 verses. So taking this last month to work on memorizing um, that text, and we have a system that I'll put in the show notes um, that we're using, but we we both kind of were talking beforehand, like, hey, this is this is something that is going to help us along in our spiritual journey. Um, you know, Psalm one talks about it. Joshua one talks about it, talks about meditating on God's word day and night, and how how that allows you. Psalm one says to be like a tree planted by um, streams of water. So so being planted by that stream of water allows us 
to um, to experience Christ in, in new ways. And scripture memorization is a great way to be able to do that, man. So um, what what are your thoughts on this practice, this discipline and, you know, how have you done it in the past? Yeah. So uh, just a couple of thoughts. Um, one, and I just want to give a shout out to you, man. Thanks for being uh, the friend who challenges his friends to grow in godliness. Uh, I wouldn't be memorizing Philemon right now if you hadn't reached out. And actually, like I cited you for an example in our family devotional time and say, kids, dad has a friend who's challenging him to like know more of the Bible, know the Bible better. And you're going to have all types of friends in your lifetime, but have some close friends that always are drawing you closer to Jesus. You know, you can't have all friends who love Jesus. That's not Mm -hmm. the world you live in, but you better have some. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, for some odd reason, and this is just the way my brain works, like I remember locations of verses very easily without much discipline. It's not something where I've like strived to, but when I read something, it's almost like I could tell my brain like, okay, now remember that verses here. Um, but I haven't done as much um, with scripture memory. Obviously, like um, retention isn't something that's always difficult for me for like um, some verses like First um, John one nine, one of the first verses I ever memorized. Um, if we say we if we confess we've sinned, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So mm. I've memorized like the Navigator's pack of verses in the past, but I've never memorized a book or memorized sections of Scripture. So I'm excited about the challenge. I just want to have a high view of Scripture. Um, this is what I want the Lord define me doing with my time. So I'm excited Mm. about it. That's great, man. That's great. Yeah. It's been edifying for me. I tried it through two years ago, uh, with the book of Philippians and it was, I mean, it's my favorite book in the Bible. So I said, I'm really going to try to do this and took about 104 or five days, um, to, to slide through Philippians, man. And it was, it was so edifying for me. I said, I want to do this with a group of folks. Uh, and see how that works. So that's why I invited you and a couple other guys to join me on this journey. And just grateful um, to have you uh, with me on this journey because this, I mean, this book is great. I was talking about this this reconciliation that uh, both of us have a passion for. And uh, and Paul is encouraging this former slave master um, to, to, to receive this guy who used to uh, be a slave and ran away from him and found himself in the presence of Paul. And Paul says, go back <laughs> now for, for our culture. Now let's be honest, Chris, for our culture, that's a little bit like disconcerting. Okay. Like, Hey, uh, you're telling the slave to go back to his master, but you know, we don't have time to dive into the cultural understanding of voluntary servitude in that culture, but it still would have had, he still would have had some fear going back. So just reading that text, man, is it's just it's just so personal. So it's it's just good to be able to to memorize that and commit that to memory. Yeah, and there's so many pictures of Christ as the mediator in that book, um, and it also just shows you like Paul as a leader in the church, um, a little bit into what his personal life was like. So um, I just love that book. I love it for so many reasons because I think. Uh, you need the Paul who wrote Philemon to kind of have understand Paul's heart uh, when he's mm-hmm. writing letters to the churches. So um, 
like here's kind of who Paul is as a person. So I, I love the book. I think it's incredibly important. And so I'm excited about it. And I love, um, just heard somebody preach on it, talking about in each part of our life, we're either going to be the offended, the offender, or we're going to be the mediator. And we'll have a chance to be all those three. And Come on like, now. the book just kind of lays out how we like move in all three of those positions. So mm. uh, that book is encouraging. It's a, it's a very good book. Don't overlook it. Mm. Make that part of your Bible reading time. Absolutely. Memorize it with us. Hop right in. We're we're too many days in, so hop right in. All right, bro. I need to know, Chris, what have you been reading lately, man? What you've been listening to? We like to share this with some of our listeners, um, just in case they may be interested in what we're reading, what we're listening to. So what you've been reading lately, man? You've got to be mad because one of mine's about to be fiction, bro. Um, oh man, I'm out. Bro, I'm out. <laughs> finish it, so finish this your show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listen. This the first thing that I've been listening to and been fascinated with is a audiobook called Divided by Faith. And um it just pulls all of these people and tries to make sense of the statistics of why like we're still racially divided as a church. And it is a fascinating study. Um and so essentially what happened was my wife was listening to the audiobook of it as we were going to sleep and I just happened to listen to it and I just couldn't stop listening to it even to sleep. So um, that's fascinating. And then I'm also listening to a book by uh, a sister in Christ who actually was with you the very first time I met you. Kim Cash Tate was on the stage with you at a legacy conference. She wrote a fiction book called Hope Springs about a guy and his dad dies. And his dad was a pastor in a small country town. He had moved to St. Louis at this time, had his life going well. His wife had all these things going on in St. Louis, but he's wrestling with this call to go over and take his dad's church back. But it's just a real interesting book, but it has a lot of Christmas themes in it. So I got it so our kids could listen to have audio books to listen to if that's what they wanted to do. But I'm listening as well, and I'm enjoying it. So fiction is okay, great, I, Jay Rich. I'm good. I'm good with Kim's fiction, okay? Kim, if you okay. listen, I'm good with you. We good. We good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So look, I've I've been listening to and I just finished um Jeff Perlman's biography of Walter Payton. I think I may have mentioned it before, but um I kind of just dove in a little bit further and finished it out. Bro, that thing was phenomenal. Um, just so many life lessons leadership lessons, things I really didn't know. Like I forgot that he didn't score a touchdown in that Super Bowl and he was livid. <laughs> Everybody else was celebrating and he was not very happy because uh, he didn't score a touchdown. But it just kind of show, shows you that even superstars, even people who are considered all world um, certainly have a bunch of personal, interpersonal issues. So it was good to kind of get an in- insider's, pers- insider's perspective on who Walter Payton was and uh, certainly a great, great athlete, but wow, a lot of stuff in there that could be gleaned as lessons um, for, for us. So, and I probably that will. That Super Bowl score wasn't like 52 to 10, was it? It was like 45 to 10 or something like that. And he was, he How was salty. Mad, he was salty because Fridge scored and he didn't score. <laughs> How are you mad, bro? Well, they had to sell the Super Bowl shuffle song. They needed Fridge to score. Bro, do you know he didn't Don't come? Don't be mad, bro. He didn't shoot that video, though? 
Like he, they had to green screen him in, dude, because <laughs> he would, he didn't want to go to the studio with him, man. He was kind of a prima donna. He was still mad. It's really interesting, man. Really interesting. Um, so yeah, I commend that to folks, man. I'm a good, I'm a big sports bio biography guy, so would definitely commend that to anyone who's interested in some nonfiction. <laughs> you hear that shade? You hear that shade? I heard that shade, bro. All right, man. Closing shout outs, man. What you got? Man, my high school here in the city of Stanton is competing for its first state championship since 1963. So they have they hosted a state semifinal game last Saturday and they won in double overtime. So uh, we are excited. We are a basketball school and we make we make no uh, we do not try to hide that a bit. But we are super excited to be rallied around our football team. We've had great individual football players for years, uh, but this is the most team success that uh, my high school is experienced in my lifetime. It's also where I did campus ministry for 13 years. This group of guys that are seniors were part of Bible studies and campaigner groups that I had when they were freshmen. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. We got one more chance. Come home. And Shout out chance. to the Lehigh Leesman. Yeah, I was going to say the name, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Robert E. Lee, baby. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Good stuff, Bea. It's always good to see your alma mater um, in state playoffs and even the state championship game. That's always a special feeling. I remember when Brunswick High went and won the basketball title two years ago, and I was a little bit amped about that since I'm a not only an alum, but I played for the same team, so. Good stuff. My closing shout out, dude, is going to go to the pettiness of Georgia football fans. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you've been living under a rock, you know, Georgia beat Auburn in the SEC championship. And apparently Georgia fans don't know how to act because one of them decided he was going to take out speakers and actually wake his neighbors up the next day. Um, who are Auburn fans and tell them that they beat the dog crap out of them. And another oh, guy man. had a, a huge TV on the back of his H2 Humvee and played the game over and over on the loop on a freeway. So when yeah. you talk about levels of petty, yeah, Georgia fans are petty right now. It's kind of funny. I like it. Yeah, like that joint is the funniest. Gold dog. Funny, like when my cousin. He hooked up a TV inside of his so his kids could play the PlayStation on the way to a family reunion. Bruh, just get a car that has them in there, man. Don't do that. Don't I do was that. So weak. Yeah, those, those are those are like <laughs> the hood hookups, right? Yes, but Georgia, why are y'all wilding out? Act like y'all been there before. That's how we roll, man. We'll see Herschel you. Walker, y'all got championships. We'll see you in uh, 1980. Do the math. We'll see you on January 1st, bro. January 1st. Well, We're not going to no ramen noodles bowl like Virginia. <laughs> you yeah, get I'm all pet. the packs of ramen you can eat. I'm petty right now, too. <laughs> I ain't even mad at you, bro. All right, y'all. That's been episode number 49 of the Boxing One Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Rich, and I'm here with the homie C-Lass. And we just want you guys to go over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, at Boxing One Podcast. Um, and be sure to leave some comments in some of the show notes, man, so we can 
to see that you guys are listening and, and that you might have some questions or even some topics for us to address. We we love to hear from you. So give us a shout. Website is official now. Box and one podcast.com go check it out all of our episodes are up there brand new website go check it out grace and peace to you all see you next go round <laughs>